welcome mm-hmm. to Arclight Studio folks in this episode is group of companies doctoring yeah it's a pretty niche topic right now before i proceed i want to say it's a very legal topic i'm going to use some legal terms some legal cases here and there but before we proceed i want also want to say that the group of companies doctoring does not pertain to the entire contract law it's only applicable in arbitration agreements if you don't know what an arbitration agreement is leave a comment i'll soon be making a video about that if there's enough interest on it right now what the doctrine states that uh, in an arbitration agreement entered into a company uh, being a group of companies the same can bind its signatory affiliates affiliates or like sister or parent councils if the circumstances demonstrate that the mutual intention of all the parties was to bind the signatories and non-signatories of the affiliates yeah pretty confusing jargon i get that now what does this actually entail what does this mean for example let's take the example of future group now now let's say future holdings is a group and future holdings got into a agreement which had an arbitration clause let's say amazon all right but amazon was really interested in dealing with future retail now since they directly couldn't deal with future retail for some reasons let's say for some reason if they really couldn't deal with future retail they went and dealt with the parent company which is future holdings and doing so uh, they agreed into an agreement with an arbitration clause between future holdings and future and amazon but all by was known to all the parties involved it was the intention of both the parties that it should bind the the subsidiary which is future retail all right now in such a circumstance the agreement using the group of companies doctrine would be able to bind the subsidiary company it doesn't have to be a subsidiary it could be a sister company it could be a parent company anything like that there should has to be there has to be some sort of dependence some sort of mutual correspondence between a group of companies for them to be classified as a group going on we have to analyze what is the peculiarity with this doctrine like why is it so controversial why isn't it popping up more often it's because it runs against the norm of normal contract and normal company law for example most of us have heard that company is a separate legal entity it doesn't matter if it's a subsidiary or a parent or a sister company the co- company's law does not look into a group it normally separates uh, each and every company each and every company has a distinct juristic identity a company has its own rights each of them are viewed as individual persons a group of companies doctrine essentially states that even though they are different entities the act of a group of companies parents or sisters sister companies can bind another so this is in direct contradiction against the company's law it falls against the norm so it's an exception that's why it's not being utilized as often or it's uh, there's a rather bit of controversy attached to the same now let's look at what the indian supreme court stands is on the subject matter right now the supreme court in for invoking this group of companies doctrine looks at a four uh, four angle test um, first they are going to look and assess whether there exist 
a direct relationship between the party signatory to the arbitration agreement and the company in question. Now, if Future Retail were going to say that dude, we don't have any link with Future Holdings, that's obviously going to be wrong. They have a direct link with their parent subsidiary. Some sort of link has to be there for companies to be classified as a group. Second, direct commonality of the subject matter. Now, if uh, Future Retail, let's say they, you know, they're in the retail business, but the agreement is regarding some space exploration or something, the group of companies doctrine won't kick into place unless unless future retail is also included in I mean has its feet in space exploration for some reason. So there has to be a common matter. The subject matter has to be common. And there has to be a composite transaction. That's this is the third condition. There has to be a composite transaction. Uh, so what is this composite transaction? What is how when does a transaction have a composite nature? It essentially means that the underlying agreement would not be feasible without uh, the performance or supplementary or ancillary agreements that have a common objectives and are bearing on the company in question. For, for example, the agreement between future holdings and Amazon, let's say, is uh, you know for future retail to do something or not to do something. And the underlying agreement, the primary agreement, if it actually points out or bears a positive or negative duty upon the concerned company forming a group. Now, the last and uh, final condition uh, is basically like a boilerplate condition. Basically, the court has to examine whether such a composite reference or such a clubbing together as a group would serve the end of justice. As usual, the courts have to consider principles of financial justice and whether justice is being served while applying the group of companies doctrine others they can choose not to apply it so there's not a right it's something that the if the court finds that there is ample evidence in suggesting a group it can apply it moreover we also have to look at the current position regarding the group of companies doctrine right now the latest case latest landmark case that the honorable supreme court has said is the case of NTNL versus canada bank wherein the subsidiary basically stated that it was not party to an agreement so there was no privity to contract and but the supreme court held in the contrary right the supreme court basically stated that a non-signatory can be bound by an arbitration agreement on the basis of group of companies doctrine where the conduct of the parties evidences a clear intention of the parties to bind both the signatory as well as non-signatory parties Therefore, the Supreme Court has essentially upheld the validity of group of companies doctrine and it has made sure that a mere uh, mistake while drafting, I don't know why people, lawyers wouldn't include all the intended parties while drafting agreements. Sometimes errors happen, but the Supreme Court has stated that it has the power and authority to use the group of companies doctrine to go against the norms of company law and it won't hesitate to do so to serve the interest of justice. In summary, the group of companies doctrine is an extremely useful doctrine while dealing with arbitration agreements so as to bind non-signatories to the parties because it flows against the common notions of company and arbitrary law because arbitration is a part, is an agreement between parties and the power of the court to bind non-signatories to that agreement is a lot. Is something that the lawyers right now have to take into mind. Now this 
group of companies doctrine has also popped up in the news in the case of future uh, future coupons private limited and future uh, retail limited versus amazon right it's a very landmark case involving all the promoters the bianis and stuff but please note that the example that i made was a very hypothetical one future holdings and amazon and future retail it's a very hypothetical example now if you want to know what actually went down in the future bianis versus amazon case the legal part of it the legal intricacies of it i would be doing a segment on that if there is interest so do let me know and that's a wrap for today's episode guys i hope you guys had as much fun listening to the podcast as i did presenting it do check out the other episodes in this podcast and also spread the word about arclight studios